is the live stream. We're going to be talking about a few things. Uh, the best best investment in the retail space today. Um, and then we're going to talk about, as we do, uh, kind of the, the macro environment, macro kind of current event stuff. A couple of topics. One is uh, the the uh, retail railroad strike, and then the other one is uh, you know regulatory capture. A lot of the regulatory concerns around privacy and um, yeah, privacy for for tech companies. So let's begin. Why don't we start off with the railroad strike issue, Hari? Did it get resolved? So it it hasn't been fully resolved yet, but it looks like it's getting closer. Um, the government stepped in and kind of. Uh, to help out. And I think, you know, for people who are not really familiar with rail, you know, there's a lot of industrial goods that are transported via rail. Um, and a huge, there's a huge chunk of things that are only transported by rail um, that ha had they been disrupted would, um, would completely um, disrupt supply chains for a lot of different industries, right? So, this is a huge like uh, disruption to the economy if if this doesn't get resolved in a you know amicable way. I mean, um, and so th this this that's the biggest concern right now is that you know we're already under a tight economy, tight strain, and then if this happens again, you know we, we now have a an even bigger problem right to deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So just to just to frame this right is. A lot of goods are transported across the country by railroads, um, and um, and that's why you know Buffett was famously interested in, in buying a railroad company because it was sort of this like it's perfect kind of Buffett play, right? Uh, I guess we, you know, we have a question from the chat. Jacob is BNSF impacted by the railroad strike? So yes, the, the short answer is this impacts all. Um, what the actual dis disagreement is the union labor unions that are providing rail employees to uh, Amtrak to the uh, BNSF to all, all of the major carriers uh, are striking for higher pricing and for higher wages, um, and so. It, it actually impacts everybody. So the disruption is fairly significant here if there is a, um, you know, it, it, because it can, it can hit basically everything all at the same time. Yeah. My question is, um, as with these like strikes and unions and things like that, from a company standpoint, if, if your labor pool that operates the company is going on strike and demanding higher prices and things like that, and if you if you if you keep if you, if if this kind of pressure continued continues to mount and the technology, especially around like AI and a computer vision and things like that, gets better and better, what is it? You know, it, it just puts a lot of pressure on the management to actually say, well, you know what, uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna put we're gonna put machine behind behind that train instead of instead of um, instead of human. Uh, I suppose. Um, I suppose labor is there to kind of thwart that, but it's just going against the natural um, evolution of, of tech. And um, uh, this is just not, not really a form thought, but um, 
just something that just came came to me. Well, I, I think what you're I think what you're trying to get at here is is you know there's there's a couple of things that are coming out of something like this, right? One of them is this kind of came out of left field, right? The last week or so, it's suddenly people are starting to talk about it. Um, and what I would say about um, these things is when you talk about older industries, almost all of them have, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, d potential disruption with employees if they have labor unions associated with them, right? Because it means suddenly the business that had operated, you know, can shut down. And so that can have a huge impact on your, uh, you know, financials, right? And so that's why when we uh, look at the checklist, we always have questions about, you know, what, what are, where does everybody sit with their suppliers, with their, um, you know, their various different groups? Because if we, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the, by the way, by the way, I mean, everyone, you know, like investors know this, as well as the execs know, know this, that labor unions can be a drag on the company and can be kind of this, um, um, can, can kind of thwart or kind of interject in the way of making, making progress that management wants to, you know, and we can, we can debate about whether this is, you know, meritable or not, but they, they all know this. So in 10 K they actually say explicitly, if, if they don't have unionized labor labor base, they will say it as sort of like almost like a uh, value proposition, like a marketing copy. Yeah. Look, we don't have to deal with unions. Come buy our stock. So I mean, it, it makes sense. Well, and, and imagine, you know, because um, this is the next topic we'll also talk about is, you know, new industries like Amazon and things like that, they don't have a highly unionized, you know, labor force, right? Um but older industries do. And when they, when they, the disruption happens, you as an investor don't necessarily know that these things are coming, right? Like you can't, I mean, you may, may know where their contract ends if they talk about it in, you know, the 10 K or something like that. Um, but if you don't, right, it could be the end of your, your business, right. And, um, or a significant, you know, price shock to your business. Now, the flip side of that is the long-term you know, prospects of the business may not be interrupted by this. So, so it's also a buying opportunity, right? So, you know, if this does happen and the railroad companies get um, get a huge hit, right, it may be a great opportunity to buy a business that's been around for, you know, uh, a century um, and is only getting more consolidated and more profitable over time, right? Um, we have another question from uh, Jacob. Some have implied this could start a domino effect. Are you concerned about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's a that's a huge concern, right? If um, if the uh, if what we start seeing is uh, a trickle effect from supply chains being disrupted because of heavy industrial goods, then that impacts you know so many different industries. Um, it impacts oil and gas. It imp impacts, um, uh, you know, distribution of heavy materials, housing. All, all of these things are being transported via rail. And so suddenly all of these other industries no longer have inputs of goods to actually do their, um, you know, to, to, for their output. So it's, it's a pretty big 
you know, big deal. Um, like I, I think secondary to oil and gas disruptions, I think train, uh, you know, is, is, is probably number two, right? Because it, it's basically impacting your supply chain within the country. Yeah, this, this kind of goes, I want to, I want to make this comment and then let's move on to the next one, which is, um, this, uh, this strike reminds me a lot about during COVID or a, a, after COVID, when we were coming out of, of COVID crisis and then there was this massive demand, right? Like everybody wanted stuff and everybody was, was going out and eating and stuff like that. Uh, uh, most of the goods that we import in this country in the U.S. come from China. And so the ports had a lot of leverage over over this because it was through the bottleneck that every goods had to go through, especially in California, because a lot of the ships, you know, dock over in California and then all the goods are being transported by the by the train system or, you know, by trucks and things like that. They also went on strike. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. So, um, yeah, the more it almost seems like a quasi government um, entity, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's so kind of old and sort of entrenched that you're not going to get a incumbent that's going to disrupt the railroad industry or like, you know, the port mm -hmm. industry. So they're sort of very entrenched. You have this sort of government like, uh, you know, labor base that's like very heavy and, and doesn't move very nimble. And, they're, you know, anyway, it, it just makes me think about that. And um. Yeah, just just a thought as as a parallel there. Let's move on to the next topic, um, which is um, a regulatory. I mean, it's sort of it's related to it. But before we go, we have a question. Interesting thought on oil and gas from Jacob. When Keystone was suspended, that gas traffic ostensibly went to rail. Yeah, it's a you know I, I think when. A lot of coal uh, for um, for power plants is transported via rail. Um, you know, here in Houston, you know, we burn coal for uh, at the power plants, and that's what most of our energy supplies come from. So, uh, is it really? Know, yeah, yeah. Um, you can actually go see the train um, out in Rosenberg area. Um, not a, not oil, not gas. It's coal. It's coal. Um, I mean, there, th that doesn't mean that there aren't other types, right? right but the right, majority... Right. The majority is interesting. Yeah. And so when you start talking about... Because moving coal, it's not cost-effective to do it via truck, right? You're having to do train loads a day of the of coal just to make the, you know, the for the coal plants and stuff like that. So the biggest thing about tr trains, I think, that people may miss is that energy is actually what's transported by, via train, right? Like the input goods that you use for your energy, uh, especially the old style energy, coal, natural gas, those kind of things. And, you know, to Jacob's point, when Keystone, uh, the Keystone pipeline was shut down, they basically just moved it to a less efficient, I mean, compared to a pipeline, the train is actually a lot less efficient, right? Because a pipeline's already laid in the ground, you're not moving a huge truck, you know, train, but um, if that gets disrupted too, now you're suddenly um, at a loss for how you're going to move all of this oil from Canada down to Texas for refining and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Just a random thought. Why is it called natural gas, not just gas? 
it's almost like um uh, uh, <laughs> they gotta call it something i guess yeah something just to distinguish it yeah okay all right uh let's move on to the next topic which is um regulatory regulatory capture okay this is something this is something um something that i have been noticing a lot which is that you got a lot of these headlines coming in i mean this is not new everybody who's probably listening to this podcast are aware that a lot of these tech companies not just tech companies but a lot a lot of companies they go out and they grow and like you know they're they're very profitable they're out there operating in, in all kinds of jurisdictions all over all over the world and as they grow the regulatory pressure mounts and what I mean by regulatory pressure is, I mean, I mean, governments and, and, you know, jurisdictions all across the world, they're trying to get a piece of the pie of their success, basically tax revenue. Um, and they get around, like, these companies are very sophisticated. They have, you know, armies of lawyers to combat that and CPAs and whatnot. And so that they, they bring up additional issues to get at their coffers. And one of which that I'm noticing a lot, and you know, this is not a this is not a new thing, um, is is privacy concerns. Right? It's like you go you go scroll through Wall Street Journal, and you'll see in articles. It's just you know, every so often you'll see these um, articles that talk that talks about privacy concerns and at different jurisdictions and trying to get after this pot of money that they're that they're going after. And I just want to make a comment on this phenomenon, which is. Like, like what I said, regulatory capture. So as companies grow and mature, their profit margins naturally decline because of capitalism, right? So as a profit margin declines, and, and why is it declining? It's declining because okay, if the capitalism is supposed to work as it, as it is designed, you have new incumbents trying to disrupt that profit margin. If a company is making so much money, then why, why wouldn't I start a company that would go after that pot of money? Uh, as well, so the profit margins go down. But another another thing that sort of contributes to this is is regulatory capture. And 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 this is kind of a parallel here from the first topic, which is the labor unions. That's another thing, right? As the companies grow, the profit margins sort of shrinks because all these different stakeholders want a piece of it. And so I just want to point that out as as a way for government to get a little piece of it. And I suspect because of the cycle that we're in right now, this is a, kind of a macro take. Governments all over the world are drowning in their own debt. And so they're scrambling to find revenue streams and they're just hitting these companies with like fines and this and that because they need to survive themselves as well. And the only way that, you know, governments make money is by taxing people and, doing these things so I, I suspect that this is this is not a trend that's going to go away it's it's probably only going to accelerate um yeah i think yeah i mean it, a good example of this is amazon is being sued by california for antitrust violations um, because they're saying th this was just announced this morning the wall's front page of the wall street journal was uh you know that amazon is basically colluding with uh uh, you know, merchants or, or preventing merchants from offering their, their prices lower in other places. Um, and, you know, obviously if you sell your things on Amazon, you're taking a lower percentage because Amazon yeah. takes their cut, you know, before handing it over. Right. Um, 
And the funny thing is when Amazon started, right, everybody, their biggest selling point was they were cheaper than other places. Um, and then you could actually see that they, they slowly normalized their price against what other sellers were offering. Um, and then, and now they're being, uh, you know, people are saying that they're actually char overcharging you, right, for things, right? So it's a funny thing because the old story was that changed, right, was Amazon ran in an unregulated environment. You know, it was kind of the Wild West when they opened up. And then it just continues to get more and more, um, uh, you know, more and more, you know, targeted because, you know, maybe they are doing what, the, what they're being uh, sued for. Right. But I think, you know, this regulatory capture stuff that you're talking about, like the railroad industry had limited um, regulatory stuff when it started. Right. And there were hundreds of businesses. And then as they consolidate and they get bigger, the government targets them and you get more, uh, you know, taxes on, you know, on rails and you get more. But it also comes with, you know, those industries will lobby the government to protect them against, um you know, so that they can protect against competition. So it's like a two-way street, right? So for a long time, you know, in the '90s, Microsoft had no um, had no lobbyists or had very minimal lobbyists on Wall Street or on uh, on uh, in Washington D.C. And then when they got sued for antitrust violations, one of their uh, responses was to put a ton of people on, you know, in, in the lobbying force. To, to protect themselves from getting sued in the future, right? So, you know, they basically bought their way out of this, you know, this thing, right? Um, so, it, but it's, I, I think the larger point here is as industries get consolidated and as, you know, like, you know, businesses start to, you know, consolidate like they are, right? It makes, makes them larger targets. And then the government goes after them, you know, and finds new ways to tax them because, they need an ever-ending increasing supply of revenue, right? Um, so you can you have to use that to your benefit. But when you're buying companies in new industries, you have to pay attention from five years from now, right? Is Facebook going to be in the same regulatory environment that it is today, right? If they're if they're being sued for privacy violations and doing all of this stuff, it slowly erodes their profit margin, their business model, uh, and so forth, right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the company of the day, company of the week. Uh, is this company the best investment in the retail space right now? Some of you listening to this, I'm uh, you know, specifically thinking about a couple of people, uh, may, may know the answer to this question, but um, what is it, Harry? Well, so uh, at Academy Sports and Outdoors, um, the... Uh, uh, is a uh, ticker is ASO. Um, so we actually talked about this on our, um, the weekly or our monthly, um, meetup. And, uh, if you're a member of the Slack channel, you'd actually have access to that link yesterday and you could have actually joined us in this discussion. Um, but, um, you know, what we actually talked about was a, we went through the entire checklist and it was really, uh, you know, a great discussion, but what I would, um, encourage people to, to learn about with a company like this is, um, you know, they operate, it's a very simple business. Their, uh, 10 K is only like 60 something pages. Uh, and 
you know, I think you could get through it fairly fast. Um, um, but it's a business that has a, it's, a, you know, built a, or a company that was founded in the 1930s. They were private for a long time uh, and then recently IPO'd and their new CEO has kind of really cleaned up the balance sheet, the business. Uh, they're highly profitable um, and trading at a, you know, a very um, reasonable multiple. Um, and I think they have uh, plans to grow, you know, for, they're only in 15 states right now. So they have a long runway for growth. Um, so I think, you know, to me, it's a great business at a fair price. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good bargain in this market right now. Uh, and they didn't, and they haven't been suffering from inventory issues. Uh, they even brag about that in their conference calls. Uh, like, uh, they're not suffering like Walmart or Target is at, at, at this point. Yeah. So Academy Sports uh, and Outdoors, the ticker symbol. Let me flash my screen again. Um, here we go. Academy Sports and Outdoors, Inc., uh, NASDAQ, ASO. If you guys want to check out their uh, their financials, feel free to do that at valueinvestor.org. You can just type in, type in the ticker symbol here. What I think is um, What I think is interesting about this company is... I guess, you know, this is a comment I was making yesterday. It's, it's very, as with, as with like local stores, uh, if you're not digital native, you have to be confined by the, confined by the limitations of geography. And retail store, you, you're, you're sort of, by definition, have to operate within, you know, certain geography. And if you extend yourself beyond that, it's just going to come at a cost and maybe it's just not as efficient you just won't be efficient. So it goes to a point that I was mentioning yesterday, which is, you know, we have, we have this company that's, that's pretty great. Now the question is, can it, can it, can it grow or should it grow? Right. That's, I think that's the question we were able to analyze. So if you look at this company, income statement looks pretty healthy, right? I mean, it's, it's growing pretty well and then it's trickling over to the bottom line. Okay, cool. Next, balance sheet. Balance sheet looks pretty healthy. Okay, so debt, you know, it's under control. It's getting under control from 2.6 to 1.8. Cash balance looks pretty good. Inventory level is pretty managed. It's it, it's good. So, okay, Bal a quick glance, balance sheet, pretty good. Cash flow, again, sort of good. Um, you, know, low, you know, relatively low CapEx. Free cash flow is, 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 is humming along. And so... The company is doing pretty great. Now, I think the question is, what is this, um, like, what is the future of this company? And as a retail business, you have to grow. And the company said they're going to grow and expand to what, how many different areas? But I guess, I guess that's my question is, what is the growth and the catalyst for, you know, the company to grow and also the stock market? appreciate like that what is the catalyst for it to jump to a new high so i think you know there's a couple things is that um you know their their growth rate is you know they've been talking about opening 10 to 20 stores uh per year right off of a base of 200 so they they could potentially increase their store base by six to ten percent a year going forward which would help them quite a bit um, but I think the bigger, you know, thing is, is that this is a company that just seems to be flying under the radar for a lot. 
So they they have a strong um, uh, shareholder friendly buyback um, in place. Um, I think it was like 400 or 500 million dollars. Um, but they're so cheap. Like we've talked about this, you know, before with lots of companies um, like Southwest Airlines and NVR, you know, because they're buying back shares at such a low price, it's doubly beneficial, right, for you as the shareholder um, because they're they're getting it at a discount, right? Um, so I, I think they have, you know, a, a two or three different ways that they can return money to you. One is that, you know, they'll grow back, grow their share, their uh, store base, which will eventually lead to higher free cash flow. They're buying back more, you know, more of their shares, and then they're they have uh, announced that they're going to start paying a dividend, right? And so this is a company that's paying, you know, trading at like six times free cash flow uh, for the year. It is it's hard to argue that this is expensive, right? And it's been around for a hundred years almost, uh, or eighty plus years, so it's not going anywhere, right? Um, and so, and they have a very able management that has done a really good job with this company, uh, a former Foot Locker uh, CEO or, or Foot Locker management uh, uh, guy who doesn't really seem to be, you know, his incentive structure is to, to grow EBIT, right? Which is exactly what you want to see in a, uh, in a company like this, right? So they're, so everybody's aligned incentive wise. Um, so now they just have to go execute on this. And I think everybody benefits, you know, in that model. If you guys would like access to the checklist, uh, we just quickly went through the checklist. Um, but if you guys would like access to our checklist, just email, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. We'd be happy to share that checklist with you. Uh, in fact, let me uh, quickly show you what that looks like. Um, this is this is just a checklist that we go through to analyze companies. Um, I think most most people who are listening uh, know, but here it is. Yeah, if you guys would like that, uh, just just give us an email info at valueinvestor.org. Um, and then yep. at the same time, you know, if you'd like to join the Slack channel, um, we'd love to have you on there. We have fairly lively discussions uh, on Slack. Um, <clears throat> people post articles uh, and comment on things that they're looking for. Um, so. You know, it's a great way for us to interact with you and for you to, you know, get questions answered, have challenge your um, your thinking on, you know, certain stocks that you're buying. Um, you know, you could talk about a company like Academy or we and we naturally come up with, you know, good ideas, you know, through these through those chats. So it's a really good way for you guys to interact with us and for us to have, um, you know, more, uh, you know, conversation. Right beyond just our podcast mm -hmm. great um that brings us to the end i wish uh i wish we were able to get into a little bit more detail on uh, the, these companies there's so much there's rich material there that we could really get into and perhaps um yeah we should structure the podcast so that you know we go back to we go back to the part one part two that kind of thing yep. but for now um for now, we'll close out here and uh, please join me uh, next week. All right. Thanks, everyone.